Well, good morning. I feel like we could just go home now. This is a little hot, Andrew, because I'm going to get a little loud up in here this morning, because here's the news. I've been off two weeks. <laughs> You're all like, what? I've been off speaking for two weeks, and I got a lot of pent-up energy inside of me this morning that we're about to have a church service this morning. So it's great to have you guys. Amen. Amen. It's good to be here. God is in this room. Amen. We're going to just jump right in, right in. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. We're going Old Testament up in here this morning. I got a word that I believe is, man, having some time off, let me say it this way, having time off to just rest is vital and to hear and to receive and and as I've been resting, God's really been placing this story on my heart. So I really believe in, in praying that it comes across the same way that he's put it in my heart. And it's going to change us. We're going to walk out of here different. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to walk out of here different. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, Exodus 34, 1 through 8. It's going to be a big Bible up on the screen there. And let me read this. This is Moses. Let me just give you real quick. I'm sorry. Let me give you a quick background, right? For some people I, that have never stepped foot in a church. So this is talking about Moses. Moses was a legend of the faith. Moses was a man of God. Moses, however, was an Israelite that during his childhood times, Pharaoh of Egypt was killing the, the, the baby boys of the Israelites. So Moses' mother sent Moses along the river. I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. Sent him along the river to get to where he could get to to save him. And somehow he landed through God's sovereignty in the house of the Pharaoh. He, he, he lived among royalty. He was raised in royalty. He was taken care of. Like, think of the best house, the best food, the best clothes. That's what that boy had. He had it all. But how many of you know God's riches are better than the world's riches? And he saw something happen. He saw something happen. And something triggered inside of his heart. And he said, this is wrong. Because guess what was going on? His people were in slavery in Egypt. They were the slaves to Egypt. They were being hurt and punished, and in pain, and he saw it, and God spoke to him, and so he fled. Some things happened to him in there, I'm paraphrasing, right? Don't get all theologically strong on me, like, give us the more true statement. He just fled, right? And as he fled, God raised him up to be a mighty leader. And as he led, he came back to his place where he lived, and he said, what? Let my people go. God's called me and commissioned me to come and get my people and get out of here. And so Moses by the power of God's spirits, gets the Israelites out of slavery, out of bondage, and now they are on the move. They've crossed the waters. They're there. They're there. And now they're at a place where kind of the high has run off of Jesus redeeming them. To be honest with you, the Israelites were freed from bondage and sin, and now the high of Jesus saving them has kind of worn off a little bit. And so some things are happening among the people, and God calls Moses because Moses had God's heart. Moses knew who God was, and he calls Moses up to this place. So Moses is face-to-face with God. You guys all with me? Say, I'm with you. I have to give a little Bible lesson because I can't just assume that all of you know this. And that's okay. If you're like, I don't even know who Moses is, you're in a good place. Praise God. You're welcome to you. So Mo- uh, verse, chapter 34, verse 1, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, a.k.a. the Ten Commandments. He's about to go right. You guys all know what the Ten Commandments are. If you're older, you've seen the movie. Was it Charleston Heston? The man. Anyways, bad joke. Chisel out the two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write them. I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up. Come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. 
No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and the herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning. As the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, a.k.a. God's presence just fell. God came. God showed up. Came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. A.K.A., what does that mean? God just showed his character and his heart of who he was. If you think God is anything else, check this scripture out. Because that's specifically who God is. You think God's mad at you, pointing the finger at you, disappointed in you? It ain't true. You want me to read again what God is about? You can say, man, this is not a quiet church. Your butts aren't stale. You can get excited to hear this. Because this is a promise to you. This is who God is. This is who God is for you. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, yet, God's righteous. God is God. God is full of grace. God is full of love. But God is also righteous. He says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. We will cover that. Moses immediately bowed to the ground at once in worship. Jump over to verse 28 if you can. And it says this, Moses was up there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near to him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Powerful story. Powerful moment of encountering. What did Moses encounter? God's presence. Today's sermon is entitled, The Touch of God. The face of Moses was radiating radiating, shining so bright that people were afraid. They said, what in the world just happened to this brother? Have you ever seen somebody that has something on, the fa- on their face? Better yet, are you a friend that you've seen your friend have something on their face? Maybe it's a little leftover food, but you don't tell them. Come on, don't act like you're better than that. You just leave it on there for a few minutes just to make sure that, you know, you get a good laugh out of it. Have you ever seen somebody, though, get a really, really, really bad suntan? Me? Just me. Praise God. I've seen it. You know, to the point where you're like, man, did you like fall asleep for like 24 hours out there? Like, you are fried, bro. You're red. Like, how did you get that burnt? See, back in college, I was uh, a senior, and I was going on our last hurrah spring break trip right down to Florida. We live in Chicago, so the months leading up to spring break are cold. There's not much sun. You don't get a good base to then go to Florida and lay out. Our whole goal while we were down there is to just sit at the beach and do nothing. So we had this brilliant idea. You want to know what it was? Let's go tanning. You all are judging me. Don't act like none of you sat in a tanning bed before. I said, why? They said, because we need to get a good base so when we get there, we don't get fried. 
I was like, makes sense to me. Why not? Let's go. So as white as white can be, we walk into this tanning salon, the three of us. What a sight to see. Three grown men walking in going, hi, we're here. We just like to get a little base. Do you have a little base that can cover me? Like just a little bit of sun. The lady laughs at us. She says, yeah, I think it was kind of a joke what she did to us. Like they're all laughing in the background. She says, hey, we got this brand new bed. It's a stand-up one, super powerful. Just go in for eight minutes only and you'll be good. Well, we believe her, right? Why wouldn't I believe her? I believed her. I stepped up in that tanning bed, eight minutes, walked out like, that was cool, that was cool. My buddy walked out, the next one walked out, we all walked out like, we're never telling anybody about this, so now I'm publicly telling everybody about it. We're never going to speak of this again. This happened, it's done, it's over, finished, right? Next day, (laughs) a group text happens. My buddy sends a text with his face, bright red. I wake up, look in the mirror, I am bright red. Like as red as red can be, and I'm going, what in the world just happened? I said, fellas, put a hat on, put a hoodie over your head, we're hiding this muck because I am not walking out to the school with a bright red face. Because what does everybody say to you? Oh, did you go to tanning? And you're like, nope. (laughs) No, I didn't do that. Anybody else? Did you go tanning? No. Why would I go tanning? Oh, we did go tanning. How many of you know we sat in the cafeteria today, hat on, hoodie up, like, please don't see us. We couldn't hide it. People were like, yo, guys, you are fools. You got burnt. I mean, I was peeling before I went to Florida. I was that burnt. They saw something in me. They saw the redness of a suntan. I couldn't hide it. If I was married, I would have asked my wife to maybe put a little bit of cover up on that was a little bit more weird a whole nother time. Another. <laughs> but I couldn't hide it. I was burnt. I think when I read this story and I see Moses, who's a godly man, he comes down from the mountain and he is radiating because he spent one-on-one with the Father in heaven. His face is shining so bright. And I read this and I think about nothing else except this. What in the world is the church today radiating? What today, more than ever before, is the church giving off? I mean, we can look at it. We can dissect it. We can talk about it. To be frank, though, I love the church, capital C. I want to build God's church, and God has continued to build his church. Praise God for that. But guess what my heart prayer is and my heart conviction? That the church can be better. Because God wants to change us. God wants to meet with us. What are you better yet if you're like, well, I don't care about the church. I just care about myself. Well, good on you, little selfish individual. What are you radiating? What are you getting off? Oh, guys, when I preach these messages, guess who it's hitting first? So, JP, what are you giving off? What are you radiating? How are you showing people how selfish you are? Oh, I'm selfish. What am I giving off? What type of radiancy am I showing people today more than ever? Turn on the news. Turn the news on. Watch the world. Watch what's happening. People are fighting each other. People are fighting against stuff. Things that should be fought against. Correct. Yes. But the church is rising up and they are not rising up radiating the love and the compassion and the grace that abounds of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity, church. We have an incredible moment, a moment that comes that we can be touched by God's grace, that we can be touched 
by his presence. That we can be activated into the call and into the people that we are called to be. This is making sense to y'all. Y'all sitting there like, man, he had way too much time off. Give the mic to somebody else. But we as a church, more than ever, what are we reflecting? What are you reflecting? You're just wearing a name badge and waving a flag that says, I'm a Christian. That song's amazing. It says, I just don't want to proclaim your name, and that's it. Because guess what? There will be a lot of people that proclaim Jesus' name. There will be a lot of people that do great things in Jesus' name. But guess what? Jesus is going to look at them and say, I didn't know you. You didn't have my heart. You weren't in my presence. You were far from me. You were doing all the good stuff, but your heart was far from me because you know why? You didn't get face to face with me. You didn't allow me to touch you, to heal you, to restore you. As I sat there and I said, God, what are you doing in this earth? Why is there so much chaos, confusion, heartache, all that stuff? Why, why, why? You know what he said? I truly believe this. He said, Jay, I want to touch this land. I want to heal people. I want to restore people. But I got to touch my church first. And if my church isn't activated first, then nothing in this world can change. Because guess what? He uses you, the church, to go change the world. We've given up to government. We've given up to social things. We've given it all up. Fix this stuff. Instead, the church is called to be the one that changes stuff. We are called. We are activated by God's spirit in us to go change this world. But he wants to heal us first. He wants to change us first. So what's God's touch mean, JP? That's kind of creepy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to deny it. What's God's touch like? It's really, guys, to be honest with you, it's unexplainable. It's unexplainable. But there's something to be said. When God's hands comes upon someone, you see it. You know it. You say, wow, man, that person is different. That person's walking in something different. That person, man, that, wow, man, I need to talk to that person. Because whatever that person has, they're close with the Father and God's hand has touched them. God's hand has touched some people that you know. And a lot of you are sitting in this room. I pray to God that by the end of this, he's going to touch all of us. And you're all going to be those people. But he's touched some people, and you see what happens when God's hands gets on someone's life. I believe when you come to Jesus, let me just say this blanket statement. When you come to Jesus, his hand's on you, okay? His hand's on you. But there's something to be said when his hand gets on you, and you don't activate the power that his hand is on you. You don't step into the power better yet. Can I say it that way? God's touch is unexplainable. It's uncomprehensible. You can't put words to it. But let me just try to show you just a brief section, and we're going to cover scripture. We're going to pray for people and go enjoy brunch. You know God created the earth, right? You know how God created the earth? He spoke it. So his words, he spoke it. He spoke creation into being. He spoke light. He spoke the darkness. He spoke the seas. He spoke everything into existence. You know what he didn't speak? You and me. He didn't speak us into existence. He touched us. He formed us. It says he formed us. How do you form something? Your feet? No, you formed something with your hands. So when God's hand of power came on us, it was from the very beginning that I want, he wanted to say to us, guess what, when my hand starts to move on people, beautiful things start to happen, starting with my children. That's why I, 
That's why I'm wrestling so, like, people, man, they're like, man, I'm a mistake. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, no, you're not. You're far from a mistake. God in heaven created you in your mother's womb perfectly. He doesn't make mistakes. He didn't screw up. He isn't like, man, I want to mess up that one, that one, that one's good, that one. No, that's not God. There's no elect. There's no chosen. I'm sorry. He, you are all his children. Every single person on this earth is his children. It didn't happen by chance. It didn't do that. No, he said, I'm going to speak it, and then I'm going to form them together in my mother's womb. The hand of God, do you want to know what the touch of God's like? You're looking at it. Beauty in us. Creation of us. Who we are. Who we are. God's always used his body, though, to start revival. Oh, we pray for revival in this city. Dear God, please help us have revival in the city. More than ever, guys, this week that I've been, we've been through, we've wrestled through, I want people need Jesus. And I'm believing that God starts, and he's done it all the time throughout his word. He starts revival by touching his people. By saying, I'm going to use a man, I'm going to use a woman, I'm going to use people to go and to step up as the church and to go out into this world and proclaim my name because you've been touched by me, you've been saved by me, now go. Do we want this church? I pray to God it's just not me. I can't do this alone. I can't. God wants to use you and all your failures and all your flaws and all that stuff. He wants to use you because he wants to put his hand on you and he wants to activate you. He wants to touch you this morning with his presence. His presence is powerful. His presence is amazing. When God's touch comes down, the presence of God falls. The people are called up to him. They desire to stay with him, and then they come away with power from him. Three things today that I see in scriptures. Is this helping you? Yes. He wants to bring you into his presence. He wants to bring you in so he can touch you, so he can build you up. He can change you. He can remove stuff in you that does not need to be there. He wants to make you his child, clean and pure. Three things, though. First and foremost, God's presence, what does it do to us? It calls us up to him. You see there in verse 1 through 2, it says that God told what to Moses? Come up to me. Well, JP, great. Old Testament scripture. What about Jesus? I get that, right? So that's true. 100%. You with me? Everyone nod their heads if they're with me. But guess what happens? Just like Moses did, just now that we have Jesus, when Jesus calls us, we have to get up to him. We have to go to him. Now, it, it's interesting to me. Why did God call Moses up on a mountain? I mean, why couldn't the brother just call Moses to like a flatland? See, this is how I read scripture. Forgive me. Like, why couldn't that dude be like, get your sandals on, grab your backpack, just walk a mile to meet me on flatland? He said, no, come up to a mountain. Now, you think a mountain, that's nice. They had trails carved out. He probably had a little camelback, a little water, all that stuff. No, that brother was wearing sandals. Sandals. He wasn't wearing hiking boots. He didn't have the latest and greatest stuff. He was wearing sandals and a rope and a little rope around his waist. That's what I think of Moses. <laughs> the movies have really messed it up for him. That's what I think, though. He said, come up to me. Come up to me. Come up this mountain and meet with me. You want to know why? Because when God calls you into his presence, it's like this. 
Man, I gotta, I gotta get over this trial in my life. I gotta think, I gotta stop thinking this way in my life. Man, I gotta forget about what I did in this life. It's a struggle up to the mountain sometimes for your brain to tell you to get up there. Make it sense? See, a mountain's not easy to climb. Jesus gave us direct access to it, but guess what? Our minds, our lives, our spirits at times keep us from climbing the mountain. It's too hard. God, it's too hard. I can't walk perfectly all the time. God, it's too hard. I sin. God, it's, it's too hard. <laughs> Anybody else ever said that? Your pastor has, sorry. God, it's hard. I want to come in your presence, but man, I just did this, or I, I acted this way, or I messed up here, and now i got to walk over that to get to it. Moses climbed up a mountain to meet God, but through Jesus, Jesus says, leave that stuff and just get to me. Just get to me. I'm calling you up, my son, my daughter. I'm calling you out of that stuff. I'm calling you out of the pit. I'm calling you out of the grave. Leave those grave clothes behind since come into my presence. Come on, man. You don't have to climb the mountain anymore. You don't have to do that. Just leave it. But we make a mountain ourselves. Jesus is saying, I want to destroy the mountains that you have to climb over to get to my presence. Just call upon my name. Believe in me, and you can come and have access with me. Anybody else think that's good news? Just me. Awesome. I mean, seriously, like, This is the greatest news. God called Moses up. God is calling us up. Not up the mountain anymore because we have Jesus, but he's calling us up to greater things. He's calling us up. Us up. Say that ten times fast. He's calling us up to things that this world will look at and say, that's weird. That's not cool. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you act that way? There ain't no God. There ain't no grace. But guess what? When he calls you, you better listen. Because I was one of those people. God called, kept calling, kept calling. I said, nope, nope, nope. And the one time, swear, the one time, said, come to me. I said, okay. And you know what? I don't care what the world says about me today. I don't care what the world labels me as today. I don't care if the world tells me I'm crazy today. I don't care if the world tells me there is no God today. I know the love of God that I've experienced. I know the grace of God that I've experienced. I know the true God to be who he is today. And he has called me up and he is calling you up saying, I want to call you into my presence, my son and daughter. Are you willing to come? Are you willing to leave that stuff behind? Are you willing to leave those friends behind? That stupid relationship you're in? That freaking bond? I just said that bondage you're in. I'm sorry. I'm fired up. I'm seriously. Because listen, listen, forgive me. But here's the deal. I just, we're just going to bury a kid. I'm going to bury a kid. There's people dying every day. And God says, I want to use my church. I want to touch my church so my church can go save those people just like a grant, just like the kids we interacted with yesterday in Inglewood, just like that because I want to use my people to reach this city. So are you willing to come with me? Are you willing to come up with me? Are you willing to leave that stuff behind and come forward with me? He's calling us up. He's calling us up. Second thing is this. When you go up, when you get to God, when you get in his presence, you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. It says Mo Moses stayed there for a few days. Forty. Forty days and forty nights. 
Better yet, you know what it says? That's pretty impressive. 40 days, 40 nights, he just sat with Jesus on a mountain. He just sat with the Father on the mountain. But you know what it says? He said, without food and drink. <laughs> what? <laughs> God, I want to be crazy radical for you, but you're calling me 40 days. Man, I get hangry real fast. <laughs> I get really cranky real fast. But Moses said, you're calling me up here. I want to be in your presence. And when you get in God's presence, you don't think about anything else. You don't need anything else. When you truly want God's touch on your life, you don't need anything else. I mean, those are really things that today, we need water, right? Everyone says we need water. I don't even know how many days you can go without water. We need water. But when God says, I'm going to call you up and into my presence, he will sustain you through everything. Moses was sustained through it to sit there and to rest with the Father God. He didn't need anything else. The problem with church today is we need everything else. We need everything else. We need the latest and greatest. We need the best relationship. We need the best job, the best promotion. We need money. Give me money. God, once I get money, once you give me that job, I'll come into your presence. Once you give me that spouse that you said you would, once you give me that, I'll come into your presence. You put whatever there in front of you that at times we've all been there and said, God, if you just give me this, then I'll come sit in your presence. Instead of saying, God, I don't need anything else. I just need your presence. I don't want to leave your presence. I don't want to go where you're not at. I don't want to be a part of the things that you're not a part of. I don't want to have a heart that is not your heart. I don't want to go where you're not. These people were willing to go to the promised land, and God said, I'm not going to go with you. You can go, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses was like, I don't want to go if you're not there. So I don't want to go anywhere where he's not. I don't want to step anywhere he has not called me to step. I don't want to move until he tells me to move. I want God's presence, and guess what? I can leave all this stuff behind. I can leave everything that me and my wife have behind. I don't care. She knows it. I know it about her. I said to her the other day, I said, you know what? I would trade everything just to have God's presence. I would trade everything better yet to have a kid like Grant hear God's presence. Everything. God's pursuing you. God's coming after you. God's running after you saying, hey, listen, this world has nothing to offer. Nothing. My presence is pure. My presence is rich. My presence will sustain you. My presence will keep you. My presence will lift you up. My presence will keep you strong. We get to them. But when you get to them and you really taste that, when you really experience that, you don't want anything else. I promise. The, this thing called faith isn't a shop, walk in, and walk out. Got, got the ticket, I'm good. I'm good. No. No, why? There's so much peace and joy. Sorrow is left. Chaos is, 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 is silenced. When God's presence steps in, you don't want to leave it. Is this encouraging anybody today? Yeah. His presence is amazing. When you get into God's presence, you don't want to miss it. And the last thing is this, and the band can come up. You come down with power. Moses walks down after 40 days and 40 nights with what? His face radiating. His face shining with power from God. When Jesus came, and he died on a cross and he rose again. He said in Acts, he said, wait, wait for my spirit to come. 
Wait for my spirit to come. When my spirit comes, you're going to get the power of me activated in your life right here, right now. Right here, right now. Moses comes down the mountain and he's radiating the power of God. And guess what? People are afraid. It says that the scriptures say it. People were like, whoa, bro, what happened up there? Like one of those like real like, hmm. Don't know what you just did up there. But Moses, because he touched God and he knew God's heart, which was what? Compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He said, no, 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 people, come here. Come, come here. Let me just tell you what I just experienced. Let me just share with you what I experienced. What happened? What do I see there? The power was activated in his life, and he started telling people what changed him. Fast forward to Jesus, Acts, the people in the upper room, they're waiting on God, his spirit comes, and they go proclaim a message, and people get freedom. People get salvation. His power, when we're in his presence, starts to move in and through us. Does anybody want, to, want the power of God in our lives? The way that it happened is, is you got to allow him to touch your life first. You got to allow him to touch your life first. God's power is on you. It's there. Psalms 139 gives us a great promise. Stand up. Come here. I don't know who you are, but come on up here too. You're welcome. It's amazing to have you. God bless you. Stand here. Stand there. Come here. I know you. I know you will. Stand right here, Demetri. Psalm 31, Psalms 139 says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he, he's gone before you. He's behind you. And then it says something really powerful. So it says this. If, this is, if they're walking that way, face that way. Come on, this wasn't planned. It says he's behind you. Scripture says that mercy and goodness follows you. So his mercy and goodness is following you. This is mercy and goodness. You all with me? You tracking? I'm really hoping this comes across the way that it's coming down right now. Mercy and goodness. Everybody say mercy and goodness. Discernment. This is wisdom. This is his plan for your life. His plan for your life. His plan for your life. He's gone behind you. He's in front of you. But then it says something at the end of that section in Psalm 139. And it says, his hand of power is on you. It says his hand of power is on you. So mercy and grace, mercy and kindness, provision and direction, but power right now is on you when you come into my presence. Right now, I have a great future for you. I'm behind you, but guess what? My hand of grace and power and life and truth is on you right now, so do not fear. Do not worry. Do not wonder. You guys are good. Do not care about the things of this world. Care about the fact that my hand is on you right now, and I'm doing more for you than you can imagine. I'm moving more things out of the way so that you can step into the future. I'm here for you if you need forgiveness. I'm here for you if you need the mercy that's behind you already. I'm here for you. Just step into my presence. Leave the world behind. Leave the things behind. My mercy's behind you. My goodness is in front of you. My power is in you right now. You want the touch of God? Then you better desire the power of God's hand on your life. But guess what? His promise in this is that his hand is already on you. His hand is on you. But we do this. We do this. Me included. Right here. God, get your hand off me. You haven't done what you're supposed to do. You haven't saved the people you're supposed to save. You haven't given us what we, ah, we give excuses to God. I want popularity. I want fame. I want riches. I want blessing, and you've given me none of it. So you know what? I'd rather put my own hand on myself. He's the God of the universe. He spoke a word, and you were created. He formed you. He put the world into motion. 
And he says, my child, why? my hand of power needs to rest on you. My hand of power is pure. It's loving. It's grace. It's truth. It's amazing. And it brings salvation to you. Are we willing to, to get over our stuff? Are we willing to climb over our stuff? Uh, over the mountains in us to get to him? Are we willing to just sit at his feet and rest at him? And then are we willing to say daily, God, I know your powerful hand is on me. Use me, change me, restore me. Have your way in me. My mind is your mind. My thoughts are your thoughts. My heart is your heart. Have your way in me, God. This world has failed me. This world has nothing for me, but you have something for me. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? We have one shot. Our friend Grant's not coming back. We have one shot at this life. God's hand of power wants to come on you so that when people remember you and people think about you, they'll go, wow, that person, that man, that woman, they radiated God's love in such a supernatural way that people around them were saved, their family was saved, their family generations to come were saved. They didn't care about this world. They didn't care about the things of this world. They just ran after Jesus with everything they had. Full throttle, go.